With a very warm and exuberant welcome, we are back again with yet another fabulous series of podcasts for you to relish. We strongly believe that sharing knowledge augments everyone with expertise. Therefore, we present before you the most versatile of personalities, the most ingenious and the most accomplished in their fields, the ones whose stories shall enthrall you and make you say, wow, this is what success feels like. So hello, namaste, satshyakal, adab, and welcome to yet another season and a pristine episode of our podcast series, Pay Charcha 2.0, relaying directly from Manit Bhopal, presented to you by Entrepreneurship Cell. Hi, I am Aman, your host for today. Today, we have with us one of the most influential speakers from across the globe. If you are an avid listener and a reader, then you may have most likely heard him or read something by him. He's a five-time TEDx speaker and an astounding guru for various aspects revolving around leadership and authenticity. A very cheerful, warm, and talented personality. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for none other than Dr. Todd Dewitt. <laughs> hey, Hello, how are sir. you, man? <laughs> so it's an honor to have you here with us today. And we hope that you'll find yourself amused by our curiosities. And we are very lucky to mark the beginning of the season with you. So let's begin our stroll in the visionary paradigm and move ahead with the aim of expanding our knowledge and also the, those of our viewers. And thus for the same, we are going to be troubling you with some questions today. You're not troubling me at all. Let's do it. <laughs> sure, sir. So, sir, while researching about you, my team observed that you are quite fond of tattoos. <laughs> so <laughs> is there one which, uh, which has something, some interesting story behind it, behind well, it? Well, I have a, an addiction that is encompassing. So uh, all encompassing. So to, to, to narrow it down is difficult, but I would say uh, I have an answer. And the answer is that I have a couple of small ones. I don't know that it, you can see them, but there's a tiny one right there. That's a, a version of a P an artistic rendering of a P. This one is more visible as a P right there. Uh, my two sons, my only two children, Paxson and Parker, and I did these uh, in recognition of them. So that would be my favorite. Uh, sir, in fact, the tattoos are really exercised as well. And uh, your passion for them is really visible out, out there. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> so there is one, uh, one thing I'm personally very fascinated about that uh, you have an MBA degree from a reputed university and you could have easily made a fancy sum by working for an MNC or a, a company, but you chose a very different line of work. And so I wanted to know what exactly convinced you for public speaking as your line of well, uh, I would actually say that, you know, I have uh, a few different things that I, I do for a living. I think of myself mostly as an educator. I write books. I make courses online for LinkedIn and others, and I give speeches. So professional speaking is one of the things I love to do. Um, the truth is I was working first for Anderson or what is now called Accenture and then briefly for Ernst & Young. Uh, and I was in my late 20s and I was looking around and I saw, I'll be honest with you, I saw that people relations, relationships at work were of vital importance and people weren't great at them. Communication as a skill, very huge, very important, and people weren't great at it. And so I decided, uh, based on my, my personality, 
Um, the fact that I just barely fit inside <laughs> corporate America very well, the important career lesson. And so I quit to get a PhD. And uh, after that, study people full time. Uh, speaking happened as an unexpected outgrowth of being a professor. So I retired professor maybe uh, eight years ago, something like that and have been working solo speaking, writing, making courses ever since. But back in the day, when I was still doing the professor role, uh, I was just trying to publish scientific papers and teach my students and, and enjoy that. But if you're any good at anything, frankly, someone's going to notice. And speaking for yes, me uh... was, was was noticeable. And so I graduated, I taught MBA students mostly, and they would graduate, get their degree, become managers in some company and then have a meeting and go, oh, I remember, you know, Dr. Dua was loud and funny and had great stories. I think I'll call him for this next <laughs> meeting to see if he'll speak. That's how it started for free speaking uh, for the first couple of years until someone offered to pay me. And then year after year, that grew and grew to the point that I had, uh, I, I decided I had to leave a tenured for life job. I, I had a job for life as a professor, but I had to leave because speaking and writing and related activities kind of took over. So that's that's very interesting. And quite frankly, your talks are very, very, very intriguing. And I personally find myself really hooked to them. Uh, so, but uh, needless to say, that was a risk that you took there by leaving your job and giving up on a career which was really set for, for you. So risk taking is in itself a cornerstone for entrepreneurship and it comes in a wide array of responses. So in your opinion, do you think that every criticism or loophole or risk can be turned into an opportunity? It can definitely be turned into a learning moment. How much uh, it ultimately benefits you is going to vary. And that is the inherent risk. So what I like mm -hmm. to tell people is, yeah, I've taken a few big risks. I took a huge risk when I left Ernst & Young, prestigious, high-paying job to get a PhD, not knowing what was on the other side of that PhD, four years of, of hard study, not knowing what was going to happen. And then I took a huge risk when I left that world to be a, an entrepreneur with, with no paycheck. Uh not all risks pay off. I understand that. I like to say to people, that's okay. And I say this to mm -hmm. you honestly. I I like to, I've, I imagine this for myself and I encourage others to imagine this. Imagine that you are late in life, whatever age that might be. Late in life, looking back. Do you want to look back and say to yourself that you played it safe? You avoided all major risks, never had any big catastrophes, and never had to face the difficulties of risks that don't work out, and yet you kind of made it through okay. Or do you want to look back and say, I tried almost everything that I wanted to try. I took the risks as smartly as possible, but I took the risks. Some did not work out. That was difficult, but I learned something. A few really did work out and I'm I'm grateful for that. I can't imagine having not experienced that. I feel more fulfilled for having tried. There is no right answer, but those are your two options when you're looking back. And I know for one, as an entrepreneur, uh, <laughs> I want to look back and know that I tried. So, sir, in an inevitably, if uh, we want to have a fulfilled career or if we want to have a fulfilled life, we will have to take risks. 
and we'll have to trust ourselves to go through the situations that arise because of them wonderfully said sir uh i wanted to know from you that uh, authenticity and integrity are two key aspects of leadership i would also say communication because uh, you yourself said a few moments back that communication was one thing that was missing in the corporate world back there so would you say that these always have to synchronize or are there instances where you will have to choose one over the other well it's a, it's a difficult and interesting question um actually i've been on a million podcasts and i'm not sure anyone has asked me a question that puts authenticity and integrity together the way you just did um so authenticity is lacking because people have normal apprehensions fears stresses and anxieties and we want to please other people to some level as a result we don't fully speak and act in an unfiltered uncensored yes, way which is a sign of social intelligence but we take that way too far such that people at work are part of very measured very uncomfortable they are at work very uncomfortable fake plastic relationships yeah uh, so that's why i preach about authenticity but your comment about integrity is very interesting because i think we would also agree that integrity could be in higher amounts in most workplaces and most people don't speak up on behalf of integrity because they fear repercussions or at least strained strained relationships uh, authenticity would suggest you should speak up and so what i like to tell people and this is really going to i'll lose some fans here but here you go uh authenticity is wonderful but you do have to understand the context within which you are operating because not everyone is granted the right at work to be as authentic as they would like to be you earn Indeed. the right to be more authentic and thus speak up on behalf of things you care about such as integrity um by being a helpful hardworking high productive person and this will sound strange to some young people listening because a lot of young people I I make I pick on my boys a lot cuz they're generation Z and they have interesting values that are shifting that I I do appreciate about self-expression and having voice at work and things of that nature which really are hugely important but the truth is when you go into a new job and someone's agreed to hire you agreed to pay you agreed to bring you onto their team you now have an obligation to and this is the way I like to say it to earn the right to be fully you the more you help work hard and produce great work the more people will grant you the latitude to be as authentic as you want to be i don't love that reality but it's true the more value added and productive and high performing you are the more people will be tolerant of the fact that you might be uh, expressive and authentically yourself whereas someone who produces less or is lower performing will be looked at a little differently when they're more authentic i think that's Being logical authentic. yeah definitely sir indeed we have whenever we get into a new place we have to win the trust of the people around we have to make them comfortable to be around us before being comfortable with them and uh, I think that's what you said authenticity is working all around. Sure. Uh sir I can recall that in your book Live Hard you talked about living contently, building the right mentality and you know engaging in the right behaviors for success. Uh I assume that with the right mentality success and happiness can go in hand in hand but uh, how an individual defines success and happiness those 
perspectives may change over the time or there are chances that they're always going to align oh that's a really fun important issue success and happiness uh they are very different they are related um i'll start by saying that happiness is far more important success is defined very differently mm -hmm. by everyone but nonetheless happiness is far more important I've met many quote unquote successful people who aren't terribly happy. Um, and I've met plenty of happy people who aren't supposedly successful. So they're not identical at all, but they can be related. The secret sauce, if you will, the trick that you try to pull in a career is to find fit. That's what I call it. Fit. Fit is the alignment between your interests, your abilities, your personality, and what you do. Some people, in the name of success, will chase occupations that they can do effectively, but they do not feel love for. Mm -hmm. They don't fit. Very true. But Very they true. can do it and provide for their family and tolerate it without having a heart attack. That's not happiness, but it is a form of success. So fit requires you to think, to network, to take risks, to find where you actually fit in without being terribly stressed about it. So for example, in corporate America, I didn't fit well as an insider. I was fascinated by business, fascinated by relationships, but I did not fit well. I wanted to speak more freely, look a little different, et cetera, et cetera. These weren't wonderful traits for a young professional in America at the time. And so I had to go think, network, and take some risks to find a place where I fit in much more comfortably. And the ivory tower of academia, I fit perfectly. They don't care uh, how you look. They don't care really how you speak <laughs> as long as you can do the one thing that they value more than anything else, which is to be a social scientist uh, and produce research and publish research. And if you could do that, they'll tolerate almost anything. So I found where I fit. And then again, and this is unbelievable good fortune. I found fit again as an entrepreneur for the last several years and for the rest of my career. Um, so happiness and success. If you can find both, I think that puts you in a small category. It definitely takes immense hard work and definite risks because you don't find fit easily. You have to really chase opportunities until you learn enough about the opportunities in front of you and who you are to understand where you fit. Truly and I appreciate, sir. And that was really something that we should uh, put our thoughts into. And, you know, we should really think about where we are going and happiness and success. Both of these things can go together, I, I think, but, uh, we ha we'll have to always you know find new things find places where we are we are good at and we as you said we have to fit we have to see where we fit and you just spoke about how in academic uh, academic area they did not care that uh, you had uh, there was certain aspect to you being you and as long as you were writing papers nicely they were just fine with it yep sir moving forward uh, if you remember you had a frame for danny the devil <laughs> and there was another one for your bottle bubble class. Can you please tell us just how many frames you have? You mean you mean how many stories about that? Those are those are uh, 
stories about deviance, really, because a, a theme in that book, Live Hard, is, is innovation and the risks you must take. Mm-hmm. And it risks in your career. And uh, there is a price. I think this was a, a TEDx talk. There is a price for deviance. Danny the Devil Duck, I don't think I have an example. I should have one back here. Anyhow, uh, is a small rubber ducky that children might have in the bathtub with them. I okay. thought this little duck with with horns, little devil horns, I thought it was cute and funny. And so I started using it as as a, as a, as a mascot, as a joke when I was starting as a professional speaker and uh, my students thought it was amusing and funny. A few clients <laughs> thought it was funny. And and so I, I, I started to really become a fan of this duck. This is a true story. And I, at one point decided to do a promotional marketing mailing to a bunch of business people with whom I would have liked All to have right. had some conversations. And so I did a big mailing and in that mailing, I had a note from me and I had a Danny, the devil duck, little rubber ducky. And I thought, genius, people are going to love this. And I did get some very positive responses from some people, and that's good. And it led to some business for me, which is great. But I also learned about I learned about how people are wonderfully different, and you have to be careful sometimes because one of the people who received it was very offended mm-hmm. by what I had said to them. And she was a major executive at a major firm. And she expressed to me based on her religion, I'm, I'm not religious. So sometimes that's a blind spot for me. Uh, and, and based on her religion, she was very offended um, that I would use something that looked like it was representing the devil. <laughs> and this, I'm giggling, you're giggling, but it was serious to her. Yeah. And from a feedback Understandable, sir. Yes. And from a feedback perspective, from a growth, for for me, from a feedback perspective and from a growth perspective, it was important that I received this feedback from her. And I reached out to her and expressed that I did not intend to create (laughs) concern. (laughs) And uh, I apologized for that because it was not intentional. And she once again made her point, and we both felt satisfied that we exchanged the information we wanted to exchange, but neither one of us really won the other one over, so to speak. But I reflected on that, and it was important. And and I say to you, as I'm not joking, hey, there is a price for deviance. If you want to be authentic and you want to aggressively pursue your career goals, that's great. But the more creative and aggressive you are sometimes doesn't mean that everyone's going to like it. And frankly... This is the this is the punchline for me because this happened many years ago and I've been an entrepreneur for a while now. When you're trying to build your following, that is going to happen more than once. That incident with the duck, for example. It's going when you say, here's who I am, here's what I stand for, here's what makes sense to me. It is never the case that everyone goes, I like that. No, no. There's some group of people that go, that makes sense to me. I like him. I like that message. I think I'll pay attention to him, maybe follow him. And then you build that group over time if you're lucky. But every time you say, but whatever, there's someone else that goes, that makes no sense to me. And I don't think I like that person. And that is definitely companies face that with their products. Speakers face that with their their messages. You're never universally loved. It's useful, wonderful data when you find out the specific ways someone is not not happy. liking you. 
Definitely, sir. So that is the that is the one thing we talked about right now. That how can you turn criticism and loopholes into opportunity? And I think you just did that right there. Also, one more very important thing I think that we learned here was that communication is a key. Communication is one thing that uh, that allowed you to have a talk with your with the client and you know to sort out the differences that came out unintentionally to sort out all the hurt that was caused unintentionally. And I think that's sure. great. Uh, so there are chances and I think this is very personal to me, to me because uh, I certainly belong in that particular age group. But our generation has this tendency to look back a lot in our lives. And, you know, we are very unwilling to let go of our past mistakes. And uh, changing the perspective is one of the best solution to problems. But uh, usually people find it very difficult to bring about that in real life. And, you know, it gets stuck inside our head. So according to you, how should one change the perspective and not be stubborn on a single view? You know, it's a, it's an interesting comment. And uh, I'll start by saying with great, great respect, I understand there are massive, interesting cultural differences, the U.S. versus India versus China versus Japan, etc. And how one views certain issues such as this one does vary sometimes significantly. But you've tapped into one that's somewhat universal. That is to say, difficult things happen in our past and we have trouble letting them go. That is fairly universal for the human condition. Indeed. So what I say to you is, if you have a problem, I say this with respect, much love. I hope it doesn't offend anyone. If you have trouble with this issue, you're going to really underperform until you face the monster. Because every human mm -hmm. underperforms at some point in time. Every human stumbles, falls, screws up, and makes mistakes. The only question is how we choose to deal with them in terms of how we're different from each other. So I love to say to people, whoever might be listening to this, listen, uh, I look like a successful person to a lot of people. I've screwed up so many times, it's unbelievable. <laughs> I have failed miserably privately and publicly on multiple occasions. In fact, one of my most beloved stories that I tell on stage is about a time that I really was embarrassed because I gave a speech very poorly many years ago and an audience hated me. <laughs> and that's that's painful. So, so what you have to do is revel in the fact that your generation is, according to all the research, is getting better at dealing with this reality. And what I mean by that is that you're getting better at admitting mistakes, admitting shortcomings, whatever they might be personally, compared to past generations. You're getting better at learning from them a little quicker instead of hiding them and feeling bad about them. You're getting better at talking openly, thankfully, about mental health-related issues in general so that you can take our human imperfections and not let them be as big of the obstacles that they used to be. They're always going to be obstacles. But but the, the summary to my rant here is that it is unavoidable, inescapable that you're going to make mistakes and have weird things in the back of your mind when you look back that you're not happy about. And that's fine. Ask yourself if you're willing and able to learn from it, because if you choose to learn from it, you have a chance of success. Let me say that again. People who are successful defined as great promotions, they're leaders, they make mm -hmm. a decent income and classic, simple definition of success. People who are successful fail more, not less than others. Let me say that again. Most people 
fail to understand this. Most successful people worked hard, tried things, and people who work hard and try things fail. And then they have a choice, just like you, just like me, just like everyone else. Do I learn from this and move forward or not? And they aggressively say to themselves, I'm going to learn. I'm going to improve. I'm going to try again. That's the difference between successful people and unsuccessful people. It's not about IQ, wonderful trait, but sometimes overrated. It's about intestinal fortitude and being willing to learn from those imperfections that we all have. So success comes with more failure than we think we can imagine. And over the time, we'll just have to accept it, deal with it and move ahead. Try keeping working on the things that we failed at and change our perspective, change our ways and just keep going. You know, I'd go even further and say sometimes you've got to uh, wear it on your sleeve. You got to laugh about it like a trophy. I, I started a business and it failed, and I, I I keep the company logo, you know, back here in a frame, so I never forget it ever. And people see it and they ask me about it, and I tell them, "Well, let me tell you, uh, it was." Woo, cost me some money. It did not go well. I learned blah, blah, and blah. And that helped me become a little, little more like I am today. So it was actually useful, but I don't ever want to forget it. That's why it's sitting on my shelf. You got to learn to use it. Definitely, sir. And, uh, and coming from you who has achieved so much, this is one very important thing we are learning here. I think that uh, wearing your failures is very important. You need not be ashamed about it. You need not be private about it or you can be open about it you can talk to your family you can talk to your friends and you know it's just a great way to keep moving ahead uh all right sir so with that we are now moving towards a part of the show where we would like to have your preferences on some situations that we as working professionals and entrepreneurs often face in our lives so moving forward with this little twist in this section this is called charcha on choices sir here we are going to be bombarding you with some questions and you'll be having to answer them really quickly. So the first question is, what would you prefer to go on? An extremely important meeting with a client or a committed family dinner? Definitely the family dinner. So it was very, it was expected that you would answer the same thing because I think it's really important that we value our family. All right, sir. Next question. An easy achievement or a long, challenging one? Long, ridiculously challenging one. <laughs> uh, definitely, sir. So, would you like to have more money or more time with you? I hate that question. I want both. Uh, <laughs> time. <laughs> time, all right. So, sir, after a very long, grinding day, going out or staying at home would be your preference. Hmm. I do both. I usually go out for a long walk and then mm -hmm. I'm a couch potato with my wife. I actually enjoy both. I enjoy being alone and I enjoy being with her and family. I see. So if you were ever given a chance to choose between these three, and I'm slightly changing the question, but all right. So would you prefer speaking, writing or educating? You have to choose anyone. Very difficult. And I'll, I'll say speaking because speaking has an immediate visceral response that you can see from an audience. And if you've never enjoyed speaking or done public speaking, you won't understand it until you see it. But watching them react in some way, laughing, thinking, crying is amazing. And I think, sir, that was a very smart answer because if you are speaking, then inevitably you will have to write it out. Inevitably, you're going to educate people. So a very good choice right there. So this is for our budding entrepreneurs. 
for a company or a startup, what should be on the top of the list? An innovative idea or timing of launch? Uh, a great idea will uh, overcome bad timing. Um, it's also true that bad execution will kill a good idea. So it's a complex question, to be honest with you, but I would say a great idea is, is most important. On that particular note, uh, there is another one that's uh, buzzing inside my head right now. So waiting for the right idea or continuously e executing lots of different ideas. There's plenty of examples of people with good, not great ideas who persistently execute and survive long-term until they find really good ideas. Uh, there's plenty of examples of that. Business is not explained by one thing. It's an amalgam of different things that you're attacking all at the same time, for sure. And definitely, whenever you are trying to moving, keep moving on with certain things, you are executing again and again, and you are definitely polishing your execution and your plan. Uh, so with this, uh, we are going to end this section and it went really, really smoothly. And I must say that you were really swift in answering all the questions. Since we are now reaching a conclusion, there is one last thing that I would like to ask you. Uh, whenever we hear a startup story, be it of success or failure, a connection between the leader and the team is always playing a vital role. When leading a team, how should one maintain a proper balance to hold on enough opportunity over the team so that uh, all your assignments are coming out on the same time, all your projects are running at the same times, and at the same time, making everyone in the team comfortable enough to share their, their problems and their ideas without feeling opinionated. opinionated. Excuse me, sir. Without feeling opinionated. Yeah. Well, so I think you're basically describing what people in my world often refer to as psychological safety. And the short answer is uh, that you need to be approachable and human, uh, dare I say authentic as a leader, and you need to hold yourself to the same standards or better that you hold others to. And you need to be uh, very open to their voice, their opinions, their input, so that when people are chasing those goals and trying to perform, they don't feel like they were simplistically handed to them, but that they had a meaningful say in creating them. You do those things, then you're likely to have a great team. Definitely. You should not be the boss who's holding the collar around your neck and definitely be an approachable person. Truly and aptly said, sir. Thank you very much for this wonderful advice. Uh, Sir, it's indescribable how honored we feel to have had the opportunity of having you today on our show. This session has certainly been very informative and we feel enlightened and enriched with such memorable experience. Your knowledge and critical insights from your cognizance of leadership have been startling. And I'm sure that the audience will be taking away a lot from this particular talk. We had a wonderful time speaking with you and I personally believe that we can say that we are being mentored by the best. Very Team kind. entrepreneurship still. Very kind. Thank you, sir. Team entrepreneurship still. Man at Bhopal presents their heartfelt wishes and warm gratitude, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Now we have come to the end of our today's show. Thanks for lending your ears. And this was your addresser, Dr. Todd Dewitt, an influential keynote speaker as well as a best-selling author. Good luck and have a nice day. This is Team Esel signing off from the station, Pay Church 2.0.